Hey, thank you so much uh, for spending your Christmas Eve. I know some of you, you may have something on the grill or something in the crock pot or something in the oven. Don't worry. Your house isn't going to burn down. I've already prayed over it, right? So you're good. Um, so but thank you for sharing this Christmas Eve time. I know for a lot of you, there's traditions that you have of, of your own. And it's just a special thing that you would spend it here just today with us. And um, as I've told you before, I'll tell you again. I've kept this promise. This is my 10th year to be here with you during Christmas. You will be out of here before 6 o'clock, right? Now, that's not what it's like on usual Sundays, right? But on Christmas Eve, it's totally different. I want you to do this. I want you to go over to Luke chapter 2. I want to show you something that's been really, something that's been on my soul for this Christmas season. Now, I love that a while ago we already read the text that we want to study tonight. But I want to pick out one verse, and then we'll build it around that text. But something I, I want you to really take a focus on that's really gripped me, and it's chapter 2, verse 19. In chapter 2, verse 19 of the text we just read a while ago, right? It says this, And Mary was treasuring all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, Dallas, you know that the whole context, remember, it's the shepherds, the shepherds hear the message the the makes it, it's known. It's made known to them that the Savior, Christ, the Lord, and and then they hear about this message and then they want to go and, and they want to go to Bethlehem and actually see this, the actual word, word made flesh. They want to see Jesus. But what's interesting in the text is this is all about the shepherds, but there's this little pause And it says, but Mary was treasuring all these things, pondering them in her heart. So here's the title of the message I just want to give you for a couple moments. What it takes to ponder. What it takes to ponder. Isn't that interesting word, the word ponder? That's really not a word we hear a lot. I don't hear a lot of people say, well, I pondered today. I just don't hear that word a lot. But it's used here specifically. And you'll find this, that a lot of English translations, um, most all of them, when they come to translate this word, this is the word that English translations use. They like to use the word ponder. Before I get more into the word ponder, I just want to tell you, I think this is one of the most difficult things to do at Christmas time is to ponder. I don't think the most dangerous thing about Christmas is the rampant commercialism or the, it could be potentially pagan roots or the mythical characters or any of those things. I think really the most dangerous thing about Christmas is being able to have the season, but not being able to ponder the Savior. Now, what's interesting when you look at the text is, notice whose insight this is. Remember, now Luke's writing this. Luke is writing his gospel from eyewitness accounts. And notice in verse 19, but Mary was treasuring all these things, pondering them in her heart. Have you ever asked yourself on this text this question? Well, how did Luke even know that? Now, the Holy Spirit could have made it aware, but also, remember, Luke is gathering eyewitness testimony. How would any other eyewitness testimony know what was going on inside of Mary's heart? More than likely, who do you think he might have got this information from? Mary. So here's even Mary, potentially, highly probable that she's the one actually giving this inside track into what was going on at this moment when the shepherds were announcing. I mean, I can kind of see it, what Christmas Eve night, it was at nighttime, obviously, and then these shepherds are announcing it. So it's kind of like the same, although possibly not the same date, but yet the same kind of idea of 
Okay, it's the time when the Savior is born, and Mary is pondering all these things as the shepherds tell her. So ponder. That's an interesting word. I want to talk a little bit about it. Now, if you have a New Living Translation or the Holman Christian Standard Bible, you might see the word thought or meditate. Those are great translations. But most every translation, like I said earlier, will use the word ponder. So let's talk a little bit about what the word ponder means. Um, now, I know this may, I, by the way, I still have yet, and I'm trying to repent, but I haven't got there. I still have never seen a John Wayne movie, all right? just hasn't happened yet. It's on my bucket list. I'm sure it's going to happen. But when I hear the word ponder, I just feel like that's an old Western, right? And I feel like if I watched a John Wayne movie, I would probably hear this word ponder used quite a bit. But it really doesn't have anything to do with the Old West. But when you look at this word ponder, it has this idea of conversing, conferring with, meeting in such a way that you're weighing out the facts. It it literally means bringing together, comparing and weighing facts, bringing together, weighing and comparing facts. Luke uses this word again, if you were to look at Luke 14, 31, where Jesus talks about the cost of discipleship, he says something interesting. He says, and what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter one coming against him with 20,000. So the cost of discipleship, Jesus is described, it's being described by Luke that what, who sets out and doesn't to meet a king, like go to war, and hasn't first kind of, kind of done some calculations, kind of done some pondering, some bringing together. What's interesting, or what king, when he sets out, this is Luke 14, 31, to meet another king in battle, that word to meet is the same Greek word used here, to ponder. So we get this word ponder, it's, it's not just this casual look, it's this, calculated, bringing together, weighing the facts. The same thing a king would do before he goes to war, especially a king that may have 10,000 troops going against 20,000 troops. A king that would ponder is one that would calculate, that would try to add it up, would try to bring everything and compare and weigh the facts. That's what it means to ponder. So you look in chapter 2, verse 9. But Mary was treasuring all these things, and she was pondering them in her heart. Now, what were the things she was pondering? I I, I have no idea. But in the text directly, we do know that shepherds are delivering this message to her. And just a couple things that we, we may not know about shepherds. Shepherds were seen as very unreliable. They were seen as so untrustworthy that a shepherd's testimony was not admissible in a court of law. Shepherds were known as people who were kind of um, not very clean cut. They were known for people that smell. They were people that were typically ceremonially defiled because they were, in the, they were out in the pasture so much, they usually didn't take a Sabbath break. They didn't get to go through the typical ritual ceremonies. So, these shepherds don't seem like the first people that, that, that would kind of have the uh, message of the Savior revealed to them. So, could Mary have been pondering and surprised... And really just because it was the shepherds themselves, this unreliable group of people that typically don't hear, who typically don't get to give this kind of a news. These are people who typically are out in the field in kind of more of a secular form. 
By the way, just um, a side note, and uh, Jim and I were talking about this earlier. What many people don't realize is these particular shepherds, there's a high probability that the sheep they were looking after were the sheep that were actually meant for sacrifice. So it could be exactly what the shepherds had told her. If you look back in chapter 2, verse 11, these shepherds were told that Jesus, in verse 11, for today in the city of David, there is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. No doubt, they came and delivered this message to Mary. So maybe it was what they said exactly, or maybe it was a combination of things. I personally think it was not only what the shepherds had said, but on, but also everything surrounded it from the angel Gabriel's first introduction of what's actually going to happen to Mary. You can see in chapter 1 to what's transpiring. Even to the fact that, remember we talked about last week, that manger, that was appointed by God. Because God's message to the shepherds was, you'll see this baby laying in a manger. It was not typical that the baby would be laying in a manger. Typically, they would be in some kind of guest house or guest room. We discussed that more last Sunday. So I don't know all the things that she was pondering, but obviously in this text it had a lot to do with the shepherds, a lot to do with their announcement. But yet there was a lot of things surrounding what was going on. So now we have this. She was pondering. But I still haven't got to the crux of why this word ponder is so an important thing and, and why, why do you even talk about it tonight? Why even kind of, you've come here at 5 o'clock, Lord willing, you'll be out here at 559 or 558 if we're really good, right? Bad 559. And wondering, like, why would you tell us about pondering and and why is that such an important thing to ponder? Well, I would say this. First question I think we got to ask ourselves is this. When the Christmas season comes, do we even find ourselves pondering who Jesus is? When I say pondering, remember, I'm talking about conversing. I'm talking about Looking at the facts, weighing it out like a king does when he goes out to battle, ponder. Do we find ourselves doing such a thing? Now, if the answer is no, in the text, there's a direct correlation if that answer is no. And in fact, I think here's the hardest thing about the Christmas season is we've all heard it before, right? And and by the way, just a side note to being a preacher. This is probably one of the hardest times of the year, every year to preach, because it's you're kind of thinking to yourself, I've got to tell people a message of which they've heard over and over and over. And there's got to be something unique because basically people come and they kind of have the thought of, yeah, I've heard this all before. But yet I find something different here. Pondering Jesus. When does this actually happen? Why was Mary able to ponder Jesus during this time? Why was she pondering in response to what the shepherd said? Why was she pondering in the response to everything that God was doing? Why was she pondering? Look back at chapter 2, verse 19. I think here's the key. But Mary was... What does it say? Okay, I got two people who know it, right? But Mary was what? Okay, but Mary was what? Treasuring, treasuring, treasuring. Notice it says treasure. Now, some of your versions might say actually treasured, past tense. Some of yours might say treasuring, which really it's just the LSB that I'm using here. Some of yours, if you've got a King James version, it'll say, might say the word kept. What you find is this, but Mary was treasuring all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, here's what I find. What made her ponder, confer, calculate, look at everything that's going on, 
really sink in deeply into who Jesus was. More than just her biological son, but all that's wrapped up in who he was. What caused her to ponder? I'll tell you what caused her to ponder. It's because she treasured. We'll never ponder Jesus if we first don't treasure Jesus. No one can ponder. And, and if we look at the Christmas season, the reason sometimes it's so hard to ponder the incarnation of Christ and who he is is because there's spaces of our life that have not truly treasured Christ. You know, it's fascinating. When you look at the word treasure right here um, in verse 19, you know there's a couple of different Greek words that are used for treasure in the Bible. For instance, you have John 6.21. I bet you all know this. For where your treasure is, right? There where your what? Your heart be also. What's interesting, the Greek word used there, that treasure has this idea of like a box or container or someplace, right? That's treasure. You see in chapter 2, verse 51, it says in chapter 2, verse 51, this is after the whole Jesus at the temple at age 12. It says in chapter 2, verse 51 of Luke, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother was treasuring all these things in her heart. There's another different Greek word used there for treasure. Actually, some of your versions might say the word actually kept. But there's different words that our translators will actually say, hey, a good English word for this is treasured. What's interesting is there's a different Greek word for Luke 2.51, which has this idea of really looking into. There's a different Greek word for Matthew 6.21, which has this idea of kind of like a box or location of your treasure. And then there's a different one used for the treasure right here in Luke chapter 2, verse 19. By the way, aren't you glad that I didn't use the Greek words themselves? Right? I, I wanted to make myself sound fancy, but I've repented of that and decided just to not say them. That was a joke that didn't even go anywhere. Okay, verse 19. But Mary was treasuring. Now, it's interesting. When you look at this word treasuring, it is this idea um, of something that you guard, but in preserve. That you guard and you preserve, right? So it's interesting. You got Matthew 6, 21. You got this idea of treasure is this, I've got this box, I've got this place, I've got this location where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then you've got this idea of treasure in 251 of Luke, this idea of looking at. And then you have this idea of treasure right here. It's this idea of something that you guard and you preserve. Now, it's interesting to me when I look at the text and just kind of try to, kind of like, Lord, what, what, what was uniquely about Mary here pondering all these things? It says, but Mary was treasuring all these things, pondering them in her heart. I find this. The treasuring that she was doing in the moment was this. Everything that she knows about her Lord, everything she knows about this baby, knowing that it's fully divine, fully human. Everything that she's come to understand about him being Christ the Lord. It's something that she was more than just, hey, here's a treasure box, which is good. And here's Jesus. It was not, and it wasn't just this, hey, here's not only a treasure box, and here's Jesus, and I'm gazing at the Savior. These are good treasuring. These are good avenues of treasuring the Scripture talks about. But there's a way of treasuring in the text we see that she was guarding and preserving who Jesus was. When I say this word guarding and preserving, it has this idea of a treasure that's so valuable that you would lock it up, that you would look after it, that you do everything to make sure that that treasure was something on your heart and soul. So why is 
Mary pondering really is because she's treasuring. And we would actually never treasure until we would actually never ponder unless we actually treasure. Now, here's the deal. I think Mary obviously had a head start on everybody, right? I mean, the shepherds kind of find out about this. They don't have much time uh, to kind of sit and stew over this, right? But, you know, does anybody know typically how long it takes a baby to go through the process of actually developing? Anybody know? Yeah, nine months. That was a trick question, right? I mean, like nine months. So can you imagine, you know, Mary does have a little bit of a head start, right? There's a life inside of her. She feels this life. She knows any of you that have ever had a child, you kind of know there's this connection that you form really early on. So I, f- I find this interesting thing about Mary. The reason she is treasuring and able to ponder is because, yeah, she was given a kind of a nine-month head start. But nonetheless, here's something I, I do kind of gather from this from my own soul. She, Although, yes, she had a nine-month kind of start, there had to have been something in her soul that she thought... The news of this Savior is more than just a treasure to put in a box, is more than just a treasure to gaze at. It's a treasure to guard and preserve. It's a treasure that's worthy of me doing everything I can to guard it, to love it, to look after it. It's something that she would have had to treasure so much that the Bible says she could ponder. She could kind of try to count up and calculate all that's going on at this moment. The best way I can illustrate is this. So we've had two, you know, we've had, actually we've had five children, two in heaven, three here, right? And two of our children were actually born in December. So sometimes it's kind of, you know, with with Arabella and Cadence, they're both born in December. Sometimes it's kind of, you know, unique. I remember when they were born, it was kind of like you almost kind of, it was was unique because it's like we had a chance to kind of, ponder the savior and kind of treasure the savior a little bit it was when we had these two babies in this at this time it was like i could think to myself man i kind of get a little bit of what it's like like you got this new baby it's the christmas season but what's interesting to me is this with cadence like our last one right we had a bassinet right do you all know what a bassinet is okay if you don't know what a bassinet is i can't help you okay you just got you either know it or you don't you know, when you have babies someday, man, you'll know. <laughs> so we had this bassinet. And here's the interesting thing about a bassinet. The bassinet is really a place of treasure. So you had this bassinet. I remember we'd, we'd put cadence in it. So it was kind of a, a treasure box, a place to put your treasure, which was, you know, cadence. And if you know anything about our story is, you know, cadence was our rainbow baby, right? Which is like we, we lost two children and God gave us. and It was like a miracle. I can remember... Um, you know, the, the, the third and fourth baby that we lost, we were hoping and praying they'd be boys. And it's really interesting. Like, you lose a couple children, you'll just take whatever God will do, right? Like, it'll just be like, God, I'll just take it, right? What's interesting is we had this bassinet, and this bassinet was a place where we would put our treasure, right? Cadence. But I noticed this bassinet, it was a great location to put the treasure, but it, that wasn't enough. We also guarded that treasure. Guess where that bassinet was at night? Right next to the bed. In fact, this bassinet was kind of cool. It kind of had this way that you could kind of link it up and connect it up to your bed really close, right? So not only was it something that was a treasure box, not only was it something that you would guard, but it's also something that you would preserve. I mean, it wasn't enough that you could put just Cadence in that bassinet. She would have to be changed, right? We all know that 
Kids have to be changed, right? Okay, good. We're aware of this thing, right? Then not only did she have to be changed, but she had to be fed. She had to be cared for. She had to be preserved. I will tell you this. Because we had a treasure place for her, because she, it was something that we guarded, we're like you know, Trinity and, and Arabella, they were smaller, so it, it wasn't like we just took this bassinet and just, although it did have wheels, it was pretty cool. We didn't just roll it around the house and let the girls just, you know, interact with the bassinet however they wanted. What do we, no, we, we had a guard on it, right? It, it usually stayed with us and stayed close. And it wasn't that we just put Cadence in that and just said, well, fend for yourself. She had to be preserved. She had to be looked after. She had to be changed and loved and cared for. And, and even the things that parents do, which, you know, as a, as a man, there's really not much you can do for your kid except change your kid right when you're, they're little. Mommy, you know, is really the source of nourishment. But I can remember one thing I could do as a dad, and most of y'all know what it's like, right? You kind of go up to the bassinet, and then you lean your ear down in the middle of the night wondering, like, okay, are they still breathing? Right? Y'all remember that? But here's what I would notice. Just reading the text. The pondering that happened in her soul was all because how she treasured the Savior before. And I can remember even having cadence. And, man, I can remember, <clears throat> I mean, it, Trini was precious. Arabella was precious. But there was something special about this last one. And it was really just the fact that we had already lost two. And now we finally had this treasure. And there was this treasure that we were guarding. There's this treasure that we were preserving. And... And as a result of that, we were pondering things about her life. We were pondering things about her future. We were pondering things about future birthdays and her interests. And what would it be like to have these older sisters? They, you know, she, she had older sisters and how they would be able to care and look after her. All this pondering that we did. And the pondering really happened only because there was a treasuring. Without treasuring, there's no ability to actually ponder. So those that can ponder are the ones who truly can have a Merry Christmas. And before a person can ever ponder, you have to treasure the Savior. And treasuring Jesus is more than something we do once a year. It's something that we do day after day, deposit after deposit. If you're here today, and maybe the, the biggest problem with Christmas is not actually all the commercialism. Maybe the problem is, is Jesus really your Savior? I mean, if he's not your Savior, there is no ability within you that actually can treasure the Savior and ponder him. What's great about this word ponder, it, it must have been something so magnificent because Luke, taking eyewitness testimony under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, thought it important enough that all these years later, we would have something in our hands that we could say, I want to ponder the Savior like Mary did. And my hope for you is this. Jesus is the treasure of your life. He is something that, he, that is being guarded and preserved and looked into. And when that happens, enjoy what it's like to ponder the Savior. There is no greater thing on earth. Would you stand with me? Our worship team is going to come and we're going to sing to the Lord. And while we're singing, we're going to be passing out the elements to take the Lord's Supper. These are for those of you who are in Christ, who've trusted Him as Lord and Savior. These, these elements are for you. We're going to take this as a way of treasuring Christ, as a way of pondering our Savior. Would you pray with me? We're so delighted that we could sing to you, and now we're delighted that we could, in just a moment, take the Lord's Supper.
as we take this bread, as we drink this cup, would you let us treasure you? Would you let us glorify you for how our sins have been forgiven by your blood? Would you let, if there's anybody here who has not come and bowed the knee to Jesus, may they do that so they could actually take this cup and eat this bread. Would they become people that now would treasure the Savior? Thank you at 16, you brought me to faith. You brought me to a point of treasuring Christ. And thank you all these years later, there's still a pondering of this great treasure. Let us do, let us do this worthily tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.